Hey folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's Going On Here. Thank you for being with us again. This is episode 94. My name is Tomo Lovrick, a.k.a. T-Love, as I am known in gender reveal party planning circles. And with me, as always, I have the young uh, Lord Marshal, Lord... Um, what was the other title you used to have? Chancellor. <laughs> Chancellor, that's right. <laughs> and let's put it this way he, he's like harry he's an ex-royal his, his, his royalty is not worth anything anymore um yeah, but he is fantastic he's our great um he's a great color commentator for this show and he's just a brilliant all-around talented young man um and his name is sean quigley also known as the quig in olympic games condom suppliers circle uh, Sean, how are you, sir? How are things gearing up for the Olympics in Japan? What's going on? Uh, uh, good. Are they actually taking place? I, I, I keep... They are taking place? Tokyo basically said they were going to... Uh, Japan, Tokyo. They said in Japan, like I just saw it today, that they were thinking of doing another lockdown, but they're saying the Olympics will carry on. Uh, Which is going to be interesting, because as everybody knows who follows the Olympics... The Olympics are just basically like a giant orgy. Like they literally have like bowls of condoms in like the Olympic villages for all the athletes. Hmm. So. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and the, the condom circles are interesting because depending on the, uh, the team, the, the nation, there's all different sort of uh, like, for example, the Russian, uh, the Russian teams, the, uh, the trainers, they, they all go out at nighttime whilst yeah. because all the Russians go to sleep at seven o'clock. PM. Uh -huh. um, uh, and um, it's all the borscht puts them puts them right out uh, and they, they 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 go out in the early evening and they uh -huh. prick they prick little holes in all the condoms little years 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 we don't want condoms to work we need to breed we need to continue to breed russian uh, <laughs> athlete power <laughs> so uh, so Amongst the salespeople, no secret is what you're saying. Huh? I said amongst the condom suppliers circle, oh, this yeah. is a known secret is what you're saying. Oh, oh, it's completely known. Um, okay. Because we purposely, the Russians pay us a lot of money to huh? make it uh, easy for them to, to prick the condoms. Um, so, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're very weak. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They don't pay you. They don't pay you to just sell them faulty ones. They pay <laughs> oh. you to sell them ones yeah, yeah, yeah. that work, but that are <laughs> easily damaged. 
<laughs> yes, because the because the Russians, if anything, we've learned from every James Bond movie, are needlessly pedantic when it comes to <laughs> right. the end game. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> they really want that. It's like it's like we have said, you know, we could just make them fault in. They're like, no, 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 no. That's right. <laughs> make them That's just right. weak enough that we can sabotage them. <laughs> That's right. Trojan Trojan issues every forty years special condoms made out of toilet paper for the Russian team. So yeah. There you go. Okay, and and with us as always, we have uh, the young man, the man who makes us thirty three percent watchable on our YouTube videos, um, the handsome, the prolific filmmaker, the master of marketing, if you will, young Mister Andrew Albagies, or AA, as he's known in Caitlyn Jenner election campaign circles. How are you, Andrew? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very pleased that the press release has gone out for for Miss Jenner, and I think we have a good chance. I think people in California are fed up. Um, I think Newsom, Newsom, whatever his name is, uh -huh. has done just a horrendous job, uh -huh. and I uh, I think I think Caitlin has what it takes to to bring California back to the California we all love. Okay, nice, excellent. I, I like that. Spoken like a true marketing person. Lady. I saw this, I literally saw this on Twitter like an hour before we got on here. That's the only reason I even know what you're talking about. Oh, wait, I didn't is know she that running? Is. is she running on the Republican she, She's running for ticket? governor. She's running for governor on the Republican ticket. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, she's- That crazy. is such a, I mean, if you're like a hardcore Republican or you're if you're a hardcore liberal, there are so many things about that that is just going to make everyone's head explode. And I love it. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> is, it is such a it is going to make everyone's head explode. And and I was talking to my wife about that today. I was just like, it's going to be very funny if they try to say it's the first woman governor elected. Because that's going to be like baseball and steroids. There's going to have to be an asterisk next to that claim. I'm not touching that. Not, <laughs> not with a roll control stick. <laughs> not while that little red record sign is on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, folks, now that we started off the show with such a bang, uh, this is the second part of our annual What's Going On Here Best Tournament, where we pick a subject, uh, usually movies of some kind, and we count them down. Uh, this is the second part of the highest grossing movies of all time. So we picked the top 16 movies. Last episode, we counted down the, um, for, we did the first round, I should say, and eliminated the movies. And uh, I'll go real quick through it. Uh, before I do that, just as a reminder, or just to notify people that have not heard our show before, we usually pick a subject of, um, in the pop culture zeitgeist, that's, that, that, uh, is going on currently, and we try to analyze it and bring it to you and all the logic, all the knowledge that we can impart, we try to do that for you. And at the same time, we review drinks, mostly beer. This episode's no different, and usually the drinks are the uh, stars of our show. But before I get to the drinks, I will review the winners from last week's first round. So, we have The Lion King pulling a major upset by beating out Gone with the Wind. Uh, Avengers Endgame beating out Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We have E.T. the Extraterrestrial beating out uh, The Force Awakens. Not a surprise. 
Um, this one was a little bit of a toughie, I thought, or maybe not. Um, but also an upset. Avengers Infinity War beat out Avatar. Avengers was ranked 14 and Avatar number three. Uh, then we have the Star Wars versus Jurassic Park. That was a controversial decision. We picked Jurassic Park. Uh, the Ten Commandments versus Dr. Zhivago. Dr. Zhivago won. The Sound of Music over Jaws. And in the whole thing, you couldn't have found two movie genres more different from each other. Uh, Jaws won. And finally, it was the Titanic versus the Exorcist, and the Exorcist uh, went on to the first round. So, the movies we are picking in this first round are The Lion King versus Avengers Endgame. That's a 16 versus a 5. Uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial versus Avengers Infinity War. That's a 7 versus a 14. Uh, Jurassic Park versus Dr. Zhivago. That's a 13 versus a 9. And Jaws versus The Exorcist, that's an 11 versus a 15. So that's uh, that's the lineup we're looking at. And hopefully this episode will get all the way through the end and pick the winner. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and we also, had, uh, we also had listeners actually respond a lot to our uh, survey last time that we um, put out as to who they thought was going to win. And I can read off those two who the listeners picked for that um, first round. Hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. Here we go. So the Lion King had 100% of the votes. Avengers Endgame had 100% of the votes. Jaws had 80% of the votes. Uh, the Exorcist had 80% of the votes. E.T. had 67% of the votes. So apparently our listeners thought E.T. was a closer call versus the force awakens which i don't disagree wow. with i don't agree with at all uh infinity war got 100 percent of the votes jurassic park got 67 percent of the votes and the ten commandments got 67 percent of the votes so the only one that the listeners picked differently from us was the ten commandments we picked mm -hmm. dr Zhivago. okay but otherwise our listeners are right on there with us so all right, and of course, because we are doing the highest grossing movies of all time, our gimmick for this these last two episodes were gross beers. And uh, last episode, Andrew tried a Mississippi Mud, which is a really bad attempt at a black and tan with a porter and a pilsner. And Andrew, I believe your grade was a, was a one and a point five. One point five. <laughs> Sean had a uh, clam and lemongrass pale ale called Digger. Uh, he gave that a 2.1. And I had Fortune's Fate, which was an oyster <laughs> with lemon. I gave that a 2.9. And I don't know if you guys remember on the last episode, I said maybe that beer, the Fortune's Fate, would go is one of these that is paired well with food. And the next day, I actually went and got sushi and tried the beer with the sushi. And it was a completely like different experience. It was very doable with the sushi. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah, I'd have a couple of these while eating sushi. And it worked? It was... It was nice. It, it, it matched up... Well, because, like, the beer is kind of fishy, and I'm having sushi, so it just kind of... It was just kind of like, oh, here's a sour, lemony beer that's salty and fishy, but I don't really taste it because I'm having sushi. So, you know... I wonder it, it, what else you could pair it with. 
Fish, probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> apparently you got Andrew's button right there. <laughs> apparently you got Andrew's button right there. Okay. Okay, so folks, so uh, let's get our second uh, uh, round of beers. Andrew, why don't you present your beer? Because I think your beer has a great name. Yes. So I will be drinking the Strawberry Floofer 2, which I believe implies there was a, I don't know if it was strawberry or not, but there was a Floofer 1. So this is, this is in a way the sequel. So, I'm, so I, can, I can guess. Uh, strawberry Floofer with cacao nibs and peanuts. So it is an imperial milk stout with strawberry, cacao nibs, and peanuts. It is a 10% ABV. Uh, it is a collaboration between Fat Orange Cat Brewing Co. and Skygazer Brewing Company, both of them out of Connecticut, I believe. Okay. Um, and this one should be interesting, a milk stout. Um, this, this sounds almost like a, like, a banana split or like pancakes, like really decadent pancakes. That's what this sounds like. Yeah. So not gross in the like traditional gross sense or in the way that like your guys's beers seemed on the last show. Um, but gross in that like strawberry and peanut butter and chocolate doesn't necessarily complement a beer or you wouldn't think it does. So it's, Correct. it's bizarre. So that's, Correct. that's how I got to this out of the, uh, the gross, yeah. gross factor. So Sean and I actually happened to come upon, because for those listeners that don't know, Andrew lives in the city, New York City. Sean and I are just outside the city of New Jersey. So we actually encountered the same beer at the liquor store. And we are doing the chocolate-covered strawberry milkshake IPA from the Cape May Brewing Company out of Cape May, New Jersey. And this is an India Pale Ale with strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate. And to, to kind of call back to what you were saying, Andrew, I picked this because to me, and people who know me, I'm not really into like heavy sweets. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've said it before on the show. Yeah. So this to me basically said like, if somebody put this in front of me and said, here, try this milkshake, I'd be like, no, that's a hard pass. Like, I'm, I'm not drinking that at all. Yeah. So with me, this seemed just gross. Yeah, same here. I'm not much for sweets either. So, so um, it is it is a seven point two percent, like I said, IPA. So, pretty much a double IPA, uh, with fifteen IBUs. And oh, and it has actually what it's best paired with, and this is funny. It's best paired with ice cream, chocolate, or cheese. Oh, cheese. Cheese, and it says this is the profile. Gooey and decadent chocolate-covered strawberries were the inspiration behind this sweet and luxurious little number. Brewed with a delicate touch of midnight wheat, a generous helping of sweet milk sugars, then conditioned on a plentiful serving of strawberry juice and enough Madagascar vanilla beans to make your mouth water, chocolate-covered strawberry milkshake IPA is a is dessert in a can. Which means, probably on the first sip, I'm going to just, like, throw up in my mouth a little bit if it's that sweet. But we'll see. I could be wrong. Well, it doesn't, there doesn't seem to actually be any chocolate in it, then. It seems like that's just a name. But it sounds like they brewed it with strawberry juice and vanilla beans. 
you know what? They might have thrown in like maybe some chocolate malt or something like that in there to 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 help with the fermenting or something. I don't know. So ours are pretty similar. Strawberry, yes. chocolate. Yours has vanilla. Mine has peanut butter. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. it's quite. I mean, this is a stout. That's an IPA. But as far as like the bizarre flavors, we're we're pretty close. We're pretty close. Absolutely. So so we're we're kind of like <laughs> building here. So all right, let's give the listeners what they want to hear. The sound of the cans cracking. Let's examine these beers and I give our my my favorite thing about the can turnover. I don't know if you noticed this, but the strawberries is certainly one of the strawberries next to the thing. It looks a little bit like a doggy did a a little dirt. It does. It, that it has totally had does. some sort of intestinal problems. Like I I really don't like. In fact, it looks almost like a snail shell. Like almost like they put escargot in the beer. Like I wasn't quite sure what that was because there's a very nicely drawn strawberry in the upper, on the top of the like milkshake thing. Or maybe it's meant to be like the whipped cream you would put on top of a milkshake. Maybe, but but like Sean says, it's like white and covered in red. So it looks like a dog had just bloody diarrhea. Unfortunate. It's like a representation of Andrew's uh the byproduct of andrew's <laughs> <drinking>. <laughs> it just might be yes okay all right so let's give the listeners now that we've really enticed them for these beers let's give them what they're waiting to hear and it's the sound of the cans cracking all right three two one here we go uh, oh oh this is foamy oh wow smell that oh i've never smelled a beer that actually smells like Candy. Strawberries. Oh, yeah. You're going to like this. <laughs> Mine smells like chocolate-covered strawberries and a hint of milk. Here's here's the color. It's a very hazy... And this is an IPA, so it's a very hazy, very... Very chocolate brown, like milk chocolate brown color there. Look at that. Oh, look at you giving it a nice bartender pour. And me just pouring it like a savage. Good job, Sean. All right. All right, so here we go. Here goes nothing, gents. Uh, cheers, and uh, see you on the other side. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's your worst nightmare. <laughs> this is just... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> fuck oh uh, oh this is oh man yeah this is this definitely lives up to the gross beer oh that's the most obnoxiously tasting beer i think i've ever had on this show easily easily <laughs> but 7.2 percent though 7.2 <laughs> percent you know what the oyster gossa with lemon was kind of musty and fishy and and lemony i'm trying to think of what this flavor reminds me of and you know what nothing so much as if you were ever a kid and like you went halloween trick-or-treating or something and ended up with a bunch of different candies in your pocket and you find them at a later date and you decide to eat the whole thing in one go, and there's like M&Ms and freaking Twizzlers in them, and, you know, Reese's Pieces, and all of them at once, 
and you eat them all at once. This is what this tastes. This tastes like my teeth are going to hate me in about a half an hour. To me, this tastes kind of like I threw up in my mouth. <laughs> it's like that taste of when you just swallow it back down and like that yes, burn, yes. That burning oh. taste in your throat. Yeah, the initial impression is not very... It's not very positive here. Are you getting? Are you getting like the bitter IPA taste mixed no, in no, with not the even strawberries and everything? No, no. nothing. There's nothing. nothing. This just IPA. It, it, in fact, this tastes like an obnoxious Italian soda. You know how they have those mm. Italian sodas, and yeah. this tastes like someone put like strawberries and passion fruit and papaya and like all as all the sweet things oh. that was in it. They weren't. Like it wasn't like infused with the essence of strawberries. Like they genuinely added strawberry juice to this. Like yes, this is the sweetest beer I've ever had. ever. Uh, that's what I mean. It reminds me of strawberry soda, which is absolutely disgusting. Mm. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get. Well, I I lie. I'm gonna be able to get through this whole beer. But God, thank God I bought only one. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Andrew, what what are your first impressions? Uh, I think they're better than what you guys are having um, because it's not terrible. I don't love it. Like it isn't something that I think I would get again, just because I don't, number one, I don't really like stouts to begin with. Um, right. And number two, I don't like sweet stuff, but it's not overwhelmingly sweet. I mean, I'm mostly just tasting the the kind of chocolate, almost coffee notes. And it, I think it m matches well with the stout anyways. And then it's got like, kind of in uh in the aftertaste or like in the smell or something you get like the hints of the strawberry but it's not overwhelmingly strawberry so just it, it tastes a little bit like a chocolate covered strawberry but it drinks like a i don't know it's got like a coffee taste to it too so it's not it's not overwhelmingly sweet or anything you know what that, that, that brings an excellent point if this was a stout this would probably work but because it's an ipa the ipa profile underneath it there's nothing in it like you said there's no bitterness in it. Like if they should have put in a shit ton of hops in this, the IBUs on this should have been like 80 to, to, to even this out. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. All right. It is what it is. This is what we chose. Whose idea was it to pick the gross beers? Oh, that's right. The British man's <laughs> idea. <clears throat> that's all right. It's all part of the fun. All right. So let's, let's look at our second round competitors so where do we want to start mgm brackets disney brackets paramount brackets or universal brackets whatever okay universal universal okay very good <laughs> universal brackets it is so we have Jurassic park versus dr Zhivago. that's where we're going to start yes sean did you finish dr Zhivago? No, no, no. Wait, had you watched any of it? Or I can't remember when we last when we did the last one. You hadn't watched any of it? Or you saw some of it? <clears throat> no, I, I rented it like uh, a while ago. Didn't like watch like 10 minutes and then my rental expired. And then I just never wanted to re rent it. Okay. Did you rent it? Did you pay for, to rent it, you guys? Yeah, yeah on, I, oh, yeah. I got it on Amazon. I think it was three bucks. Or three, three bucks. Yeah, it was three bucks. And you had two. I think once you start, you get you have it for like twenty days or something. But then it's like forty eight right. hours once you hit play. Once you start, so which I watched is it over such two odd, nights. Which is such an odd thing, like you know, with 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 Amazon, it's like oh, 
yeah, you can have it for 20 days, but once you start watching, you better watch it in two days. What? What? And you might as well just make it once you order it. You got two days. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. Exactly. But. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Andrew, I guess it's up to you and me. Um, I'll be short and sweet with this. Uh, Dr. Zhivago is a great movie. A lot of very adult, very um, sociopolitical and just emotional subjects in the movie. Well acted, uh, very sweeping, obviously three and a half hour movie. It covers a lot of historical facts and I actually like historical nonfiction books and things like that. So, so it kind of appealed to me. But that being said, uh, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park blew my mind. Like I think Jurassic Park was one of two movies that I went to a movie theater to see twice. So, I mean, Jurassic Park is much more of an impression on me than Dr. Zhivago. So I'm picking Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you. Um, I actually think I would love to watch, not right away because it's such a long movie, but maybe in a year or so, I'd love to watch Dr. Zhivago again because I feel it's a movie that can get better over time too right. um and it's just it's it's so long and it's very dense and it's it's you know it's paced very well for all of the ground it covers but it's it's a slow paced movie yes. um so it's just i think it's one that that would get better over time if you at least for me like i need to really see it again to to pick up more and you know there's so much with the historical context and everything but i found the whole movie really um interesting and intriguing and even though it's kind of slow and very long i was always still interested right yes it's very engaging for a three and a half hour movie it really is and i don't think i got everything if i'm being totally honest like i, I know there's more that i'm supposed to take out of this movie and i don't know what that is yet so one day hopefully i'll get there but even when i do i highly highly doubt i would pick this movie over jurassic park which we ought all agree is just one of the all-time greats Yes. What, yes. What is Chivago's um, specialty? Well, he's a doctor, but he's also a poet. Yes. Kind of the thing. Yes. Oh. He's yes. He's like one of pre pre revolutionary Russia's like promising poets. And you know, it's the whole thing. Like Russians love their literature. They particularly love their poetry. Right. Obviously, all these like spanning. Uh, authors your Chekhov your uh Tolstoy your you know Dostoevsky all of that stuff so he's kind of like looked upon as as one of the greats and what they refer to before the revolution is uh the Russian elite went to Paris all the time like for culture and all of that stuff and went to school to Paris that kind of stuff so yeah then his his he's just a, a a general doctor like a medical practitioner but what he's most famous for is his poetry. Hmm. Which is interesting because they don't, I think like there's like maybe one poem that they read of his. Yeah, that's the thing. That was my thing with the movie was, I feel like one of the takeaways or one of the messages or whatever you want to call it of the movie has to do something with his poetry and after the war and the revolution and stuff and communism and everything, how like art is kind of hindered Right. And his poetry still like broke through that and resonated with people. I think sure. maybe that yes. was something no, 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 I made no. up in my head. No, but no, if, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I was to take, I'm supposed to take that as one of the themes of the movie, wouldn't you think that I would have seen or heard a little bit more of his poetry throughout the three and a half hours and you don't really hear any of it. So that's part of what didn't, why I was kind of like, 
confused with that movie and you know something didn't connect with me right 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 but dress park Park is dress park it is all right from there let's jump to the disney brackets and we have et the extraterrestrial versus avengers infinity war first not me sean why don't you go first or you know what i'll go first again because for me it's the easy one it's avengers infinity war Did you hate yeah. ET? You know what? Here's, I know I give you a lot of shit for ET, and I will say the same thing that I said for like Titanic. I did Titanic a disservice by watching it on a small screen. Mm. ET. I'm sure if I saw ET when it came out when I was, I don't know when did it come out? Eighty two. So I was ten years old. If I saw ET when I was ten years old, I'm sure I would have that nostalgic. Uh, 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 um, Good feeling. Sean, are you unwrapping a tampon? What's going on over there? A fortune cookie. cookie. Okay, that's going to pick it? Okay, good. (laughs) Um, I'm sure if I saw it as a 10-year-old, I would have probably appreciated the movie more. But the fact that the first time I saw the movie was last year when we did the thing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like knocking on 50, and this is the first time I've seen the movie. I was just like, oh, my God, this is so horrible everywhere. You know, like, I, I can appreciate... For kids in particular, I appreciated the kids' performances. The adults were all just kind of like bad acting and everything, but... Oh, time out. The story was terrible. Sean is going to wax philosophical and show me his fortune cookie. But I'm picking Avengers Infinity War, that being said. I can't read what that says, Sean. It says, says, impossible standards just make life difficult. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Yes. So drink your beer and enjoy it, damn it. <laughs> All right, Sean, why don't you go? Because Andrew's going to have a yeah broke um, with this one. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I really like ET, um, but I Infinity War has to win just because I love ET. It's not my... I th- There are definitely better and more favorited movies of that time. It's not my favorite Spielberg movie. It's not the best Spielberg movie. And it's also not my favorite childhood like movie of the era. There are other movies of that era that I prefer, like The Goonies and like a few other, The Karate Kid, even like Back to Future. Like it, I prefer other movies to it. Whereas Infinity War is, I mean, I just... It's so hard to tell whether you're being objective or not because this, you're so vested by the time we get to Infinity War. so much going on. It's yeah. so hard to dissect. It was easy for us when we did this the first time around, when we did the best superhero movies, to fall where we did because it was very easy to see where everything was heading towards Avengers. But ugh, now it's been so many movies, you're like, I think it's the best movie they've made. But is it? I mean, it's hard to tell because is it just because they did all the legwork in the other movies and this one had a lot easier place to end? You could argue the reason it feels like it's such a good movie is because of the last 20 minutes, which is just like balls is all hell. Like, when's the last time you went to see a movie that was like a blockbuster? When's the last time ever you saw like a family-friendly blockbuster where the hero died. one of the heroes died sadly like yeah they didn't win 
Well, I mean, that's that that's yeah. like, I, there were some articles recently about like Game of Thrones, and they were talking about like the Game of Thrones pilot versus how it ended, and everybody was in an uproar. And that was the whole thing about the book that everybody went nuts for the book, because you thought this whole series was going to be about Ned Stark, and at the end of the first book, and likewise at the end of the first, at the end of the was it the pilot or the first season? I forget first season, I guess. They lop off his head. Yeah. And it's just like, everyone's just like, what? what? And I remember like uh, uh, an interview with Sean Bean and he was saying, I was like, I think it's very brave of HBO to want to put this on because that's not what you expect from a saga with like good guys and bad guys. You're not expecting the good guy that's supposed to be fixing everything to be killed off at the end of the first season. And so I, I think you're right. I think that's that's where, where uh, Infinity War really kind of, Especially, like you said, for Disney, really kind of turned it on its head there. Oh, yeah. And I honestly think we don't realize the true, but I I think with Thanos and the whole arc, and I think they've created a whole trend now of, I've already seen a few things since then, of people having a similar idea it's that oh it's not a new idea but the idea of Thanos being like there's just too many people in the world and if we want things to be better we need to get rid of them all and it's not me being evil it's actually me loving humanity and like you know that's what we need to do and that I think that's like the new that's gonna be like the new cool baddie thing mm -hmm. well you know relate. yeah it, it's funny like as speaking as the comic book fan I thought that was the only detraction to me. They made Thanos too likable. Oh, I loved that. That's what made that movie work in my. I think that's, no, no, I, I, I get it, but it's like worked. he was like almost too sympathetic. It's like, well, yeah, I can see his point. You know, we're running out of resources, all this stuff. It's like, but he still wiped out half of all life in the universe, so not yes, terribly no, no. sympathetic. Well, but still, <laughs> still, like the the fact that he cried for Gamora, like that whole thing, and then at the end of it all, he's just like, you know, like I'm doing this because I'm the only one with the balls to do it. It is good. Yeah, so suppose, good. It's such a great said, movie. Now I think about it, I suppose Hitler kind of thought he was doing the same kind of thing. <laughs> well, great, but any if it's a if it's a well fleshed close. out villain <laughs> in a no in like i'm talking like storytelling wise like if it's a real true villain then they should believe they are doing the right thing sure you know in their mind otherwise sure. if the villain is like ha i'm bad i'm gonna do this because i like being bad that's not a very interesting bad no, guy right exactly um exactly. so yeah this is a tough it's tough for me to decide because et is very near and dear to me but as you guys know and as anyone who's listened to this podcast knows i love infinity war oh. i would argue you know that it is the uh definitely the best avengers movie if not one of the best movies in the mcu and like you sean it like i struggle with whether i'm being objective or whether that's my you know nerd biases but i the, the more you pick apart that movie from like a storytelling filmmaking standpoint the more it holds up, like just the digression we just had just now is just got me sitting here thinking like, no, oh, it's just a great movie. Like, you know, nobody else has ever done that. Um, and 
I don't know. It's just everything about it. I, I won't go into it too much because I know we did in the last show. Everything about it works. Um, the movie, like we said last time too, right? It's nonstop. It's like just yeah. picks up. It goes from the beginning goes, to the end. Yes, yes. And it doesn't feel exhausting. And it feels it still has, you know, it spends time with almost every character. Not every character, obviously. There's so many, but it's just a great movie. So you guys already voted. We already got the majority. I don't have to, I don't have to squash ET. I'm happy about that, but I'm, I'm certainly okay with Infinity War moving on. Okay. All right. Very good. Then let's might as well go down the Avengers Endgame. And so that brings up actually the point for next year's tournament. Maybe what we do instead of like all the superhero movies, we break down the MCU movies and include the TV shows as well. Oh, we could. There's enough now. Right. Uh, twenty By next year. There's going to be another what? Two, three movies that come out. Yeah, it'll be the next Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, and Black Widow, right? And and uh, oh, and uh, Eternals, Doctor Strange. Oh, and the Eternals. Yeah. All so, those will be out before this time next year. Damn. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the next is Lion King versus Avengers Endgame. Again, easy one. Uh, Lion King. Okay, movie. Uh, I said it last time. I actually was surprised to see it on this list. I would have thought Aladdin would have been ahead of it, or maybe even Toy Story. Um, of the modern Disney cartoons, for that one to be the most that made the most money to me was surprising. I think but that being said, uh, it, I, the music game was that. I think looking back on it, Elton John is what pushed over the edge, if I remember it. Like. At the time, like he was, you know, he was at the height of his powers. Yes, that's and true. It, it was the first time we'd had a Disney movie that had been written by a, rock, a, a music legend. Yeah, 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 yeah. A rock star, like, and yeah, right. and the music is all legit, like, great. You know, Circle of Life and Can You Feel the Love Tonight are legit staple Elton John numbers that he sings like non-ironically. I love The Lion King. I just, you know, I told you guys before, it's the first movie I saw in theaters, so there's a lot of nostalgia in there for me. But I've seen it quite a few times, and even in, you know, my adult years, and I, I still love it. I think it's, for an animated movie, for a Disney movie, I think it's just great. I think it's a great movie. I love it. I think it's another one of those with the actors as well. I think it, it does well, like, in the same way that, Aladdin yeah. would not be as memorable without Robin Williams. I mean, Robin Williams holds up that whole movie yes. with one guy, whereas Lion King is a true ensemble. Like, you yes. can change the actor. James L. Jones is Mufasa, um, and uh, Jeremy Irons. Is Jeremy Scar. Irons is Scar. Matthew Broderick is, is, is uh, Simba. Atkinson. Simba. Uh, like they have such great Whoopi Goldberg, like that. Yeah, such... yeah. Cheech Marin, uh, Robert Guillaume, yes. And it's I think the biggest and, lineup of stars to do a Disney movie voiceover cast. And and I think you're right. And I think and I think actually, like you mentioned last time, I think Aladdin did all of that heavy lifting. Because you know, Robin Williams is Robin Williams, and no one's going to really ever be able to be out Robin Robin Williams. Like at one point, like Jim Carrey would have been a close second i think with just the frantic energy and and the ability to improv on the spot and just like riff the way robin williams did but when disney saw what they could do they were just like let's just stack this movie and like you said and all of it added up so 
I mean, there's a lot of different uh, fan bases to dip into to attract it to the movie, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody, you know, like you said, Elton John, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, James Earl Jones, Matthew Broderick. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, that's where um, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick started there. Partnership, right. whatever you want to call it. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. You know, I heard something interesting about The Lion King a while ago, but supposedly at Disney, The Lion King was like the the rejected, not rejected, but it was like the lowest totem pole movie. And they had already made Aladdin and they were working on, I think, Pocahontas. And it was like, if you really had made it at Disney, you were part of the team who was working on Pocahontas. And if you were like, not that great, you were probably put on the team to work on the Lion King. I'm, I'm sort of, uh, it's, I'm not speaking word for word here from what I heard, but you right. understand what I mean. Um, and so no one really had that high, they expected it to be a decent performing Disney movie, but no one expected it to blow up like it did. Um, so that's just an interesting yeah. caveat. Yes. Hunters okay. probably had the biggest, I reckon, Mel Gibson, because he was the lead of Pugahontas, he was probably the most well-paid single voice I, actor. Without, without a doubt. Like, a Disney, to get, like, all the other people, they're great actors, but they wouldn't have commanded the salary that Mel Gibson would at that time. Especially like, at you know, that like, time, yeah. Like, what like, did... of, like, lethal <laughs> weapon and everything. Well, yeah, I was going to say, did, did, did Pocahontas come out before or after? Um, after. Quite a after. few years after. Like Pocahontas didn't come out until, what, 96, 97? No, I was going to say, before yeah. he did um, Braveheart. After. Yeah, after. after. Yeah, so yeah. Th- yeah. So th- at that point, you're like, you're right. He had the superstardom with, uh, with the Lethal Weapon series. He had the... Um, he did a movie with uh, uh, I was in Whoopi Goldberg, not Whoopi Goldberg. Um, oh, it was '95. It came out. Goldie Hawn. Yeah, he was at the height of his powers, like, like you said. Yeah, so that's why he was demanding the kind of money he was demanding. All right. So, but basically, we're picking Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Yep. Which is interesting, and I mean, this wasn't done through design; it's just how the numbers worked out. We are going to have in the semifinals. Um, Endgame and Infinity War. Endgame versus Infinity War. All right. And so then the last one, the Paramount brackets, we have Jaws versus The Exorcist, which is funny because those are two similar genre movies, I guess. Yeah, those were two that were, we talked about this not on a show, I think. I think we talked about this separately, just us talking. There was some poll or something on Instagram one of us or two of us, some of us had seen that was like, there've only been a few horror movies that were nominated for, was it nominated for best picture? Yeah. Is that what it was? And Jaws and The Exorcist were both in that list or maybe it wasn't best picture, but maybe it was that had any sort of Academy Award nomination. And we were talking about it and we were like, well, is Jaws really a horror movie? But it sort of fell into that. Yeah, because I guess that, they got lumped in that category. And Science of the Lambs was the same because we had the same yes. issue with that. Science of the Lambs, Jaws, Exorcist, uh, Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. And, uh, and am I making one. it up that The Exorcist was in that list? I'm not making yeah. it, or was it? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. Let me let me let me look it up. Science of the Lambs, real quick. Jaws. Yeah. But yeah, Silence of the Lambs too is is a movie that 
you could argue is not a horror movie pretty easily. There was, was Jurassic Park on that list too? I think Jurassic Park may have been in that list. And we said the is same a horror thing. Horror movie? We said, yeah. Well, we said Jurassic Park and Jaws kind of fall into the same category, right? I suppose, but. Which neither one do we really consider to be horror movies, but they're kind of some, whatever, whatever you categorize that like classic Spielberg. Yeah, no, uh, 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 The Exorcist was nominated for basically the whole kit and caboodle. Oh, wow. Best adapted screenplay, best sound mixing, best actress, best picture, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, best director, cinematography, production design, and film editing. And it won for sound mixing and adapted screenplay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, between the two, you guys know I said in the last show that I watched Exorcist for the first time and wasn't terribly blown away by it, but I do obviously appreciate it for all of the, you know, all of the bizarre and crazy things it did, all of the technical things that it did, especially at the time. But you want to talk about technical things, look at Jaws, look at what they did with that. Um, Bruce, right? Bruce is what they called the, the uh -oh. Um, I mean, that's a whole movie right there. You, you, you um, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it too much. I mean, Jaws is just, oh, uh, I was just saying, I won't, I won't go into it like in too much detail, but basically Jaws is just a, a classic. I mean, there's so many things you could say about that movie. So for me personally, I mean, no disrespect to the exorcist, um, but it doesn't even come close. Jaws all the way. I, um, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily feel that it, the, the, the separation is that great between the two of them in terms of what I feel is like how good one movie is compared to the other. But that being said, Jaws was actually a lot more engaging to me. And of course, it just had a much better, I guess, cast. Well, it, that's nobody's fault. It's not like the cast for The Exorcist was really that wide. You know, it was basically the two priests and the girl. You know, that, that, was, that was basically the crux of the movie. Yeah. So, so um, I, I do like The Exorcist a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm going with the Jaws with the jaws too. I think they, if it, again, similar to what we've said before, if you, if they try to remake it, I think if you put the right person in charge, you could improve the exorcist or at least make it more, you know, you could update it so that it was as scary today as it was right. to the people back in 1972. Definitely. Right. But I don't think anybody could really improve jaws no. i think they'd actually fuck it up if they tried which i think jason statham proved he did that that shark movie recently that was kind of like i didn't see it but was like eh. oh yeah. Meg? yeah no one's actually no one's ever been able to do another shark movie they've tried what well, no. i said that there was one i don't yeah, shark have seen this <laughs> i don't i there's there's a movie i actually really recommend it it took me out by surprise it's I forgot what it's called, but it's Blake Lively. It was pretty recent. Um, oh, where she's yes, like yes. stranded on a buoy or something. Yeah. Yes, was it yes. good? It was, you know what? It was good. And the reason it was good is the same reason Jaws is good, is that it was 
very clever. It was all about suspense, and you never saw like anything like the whole movie. Like it was like pretty much she's stranded out in open water, and she's trying to get from one point to the other, and she knows there's a shark out there, but she has no idea where it is, and you never see you know underwater, and you just constantly you yeah, know, you're waiting for it. It's kind of alienish in that regard. Like you don't know, you don't see it, and it's it's more psychological than it is. It's like that feeling of you're in open water. There's all this space, all this place you could go, and there's all this space where the shark might not be. But as much as space the shark might not be, there's also <laughs> the shark could be. Like it's 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 a good tense watch. It really right, gets you. right. Mm. Yeah. So Jaws, right? Universal. We're picking Jaws for that. All right, so then we have that's gonna be a tough actually. So the semifinals, the final the final four is tough. Well, not that tough. Are we down to the the final four? Yeah, yeah. We have Jurassic Park versus Jaws and Avengers Endgame versus Infinity War. That's Jurassic all that's left? That's all that's left. We did 16, we did 16 movies. Oh lord. We we were down to eight after the first round, and we just knocked out another round, so we're down to four, and we're we're almost there. Wow! Did you guys see? This is a total tangent, but just Sean, you talking about there not being any good shark movies made me think of this. This isn't necessarily like a good movie, but it's like a good like B movie. Like if you just want to turn your brain off and watch something, it was called uh, it was called Crawl, where it's like. It's not a shark movie, it's an alligator movie. And it's like this girl, I think, gets stuck at a house in Florida and there's a huge hurricane and like the whole street and the house and everything gets flooded and these like monster sized alligators come in. And it's like a Jaws type that's trying to survive the alligators. It's pretty good though. Not like, not like good on like yeah, sure, totally sure. objective terms, but on like uh, just turn your brain off. And, it's entertaining. Yeah, like a summer movie if you're, Home on a summer night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Super fun. That reminds me. Was that Sharknado that we watched? That, that reminds me of something we watched. It might be the Sharknado. What did we see? There was something like that. There was a house that got flooded. And that was Sharknado. That was Sharknado. Was Sharknado. <laughs> that was Sharknado. And we watched Sharknado with the Spanish subtitles. So that was even like better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, or with the Spanish uh, voiceover, I should say. Yes. Yeah. So do we want to start with uh, Avengers or do we want to start with Monsters? Creatures or Avengers? Which one? Let's do monsters since we're talking about sharks and crocs and all the rest. Okay, so we have Jurassic Park, 1993, versus Jaws, 1975. Ironically, two Spielberg movies going against one another. Two Avengers movies and two Spielberg movies. Yeah, how is it that the the movies that are most similar wound up paired against each other for the final four? Yeah, well... That's what we picked. Damn. So this is almost you know this is almost hard to pick because Jurassic Park had a lot of that same elements, especially once the power goes down in the park. Mm-hmm. It totally had that Jaws feel. Yeah. Who are all these critters when? When what's his face finally bites it from the little dinosaurs at the end in his jeep, 
you know, that was just like, oh, sweet justice, you know, for everything he put it through. And, and uh, Sam Jackson gets eaten up and there's only his arm left and that kind of stuff. Well, he wanted to do it for, I remember reading, I can't remember when the book came out, but I I feel like I remember hearing that Spielberg had a chip on his shoulder following Jaws, despite it being such a success. He had a chip on his shoulder because it wasn't what he was planning on making because he, he wanted the shark, you know, he had all these plans for the proper shark disaster movie like and and for it to be technologically like you know so impressive for its age and it's one of those things where it worked out better because it all broke and they had to like mm-hmm. change it up but he had a chip in his shoulder because he was always planning on it being this kind of like monster movie technologically like wow thing and it didn't work and he always knew he wanted to go back to that at a time when the technology allowed him to be able to do it and then he read Jurassic Park or someone else was going to make it or something and he he was like I want to do this but not now because I don't want to do Jaws again I don't want the same thing to happen he 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 jumped no no Jurassic Park came out in 1990 so he jumped on that because the movie came out in 93 so Mm -hmm. they started working on it he probably got he probably read the book that weekend or somebody told him and he got the rights and they made the movie it must okay. It must have been then. It was the fact he wanted to go back to that, but he was waiting for a time where the tech was in a place, and that right. was like he was like, right, I want to like correct everything that we try. You know, I want to like. It, it. I mean, now that you bring that up, I mean, it makes sense. It really does because, like I said, uh, um, the CGI. When when you look at some of the CGI that like. Even when, when, when Lucas did the prequels and he made that CGI Jabba, which was just... Oh, it was horrible. It was just like a hot steaming pile of crap. Um, and that came out, what, uh, uh, eight years after Jurassic Park? Yeah, it was 99 it was like, that came out. It, it, it was, you know, it was almost like, wait a minute, don't you have like the premier uh, uh, special effects company? You started it, Industrial Light and Magic. You know, that should have been the number one thing in Hollywood and to have such just shitty effects that he put in afterwards, Jurassic Park was like years ahead of it. Like it's still, I'll still, it still looks good today. Yeah. Come on. Especially like the one with the, uh, with the Velociraptor when he's on the kitchen counters. Oh yeah. The, the, the the DNA sequence is like reflected on his like head as he turns and looks and. um, Or the first scene with the, the T-Rex when he appears and when it's raining. I mean, so good. come on. So but I, to the earlier point, I would say there is no Jurassic Park without Jaws, right? Because Jaws kind of was, Jaws kind of showed like that monster movie, but it also had like a, I don't know, had the human element to it. Uh-oh. sort of thing the touch that he adds you know um oh no i was just saying that uh you know jaws had the monster movie thing but also with like that human element um and then jurassic park kind of doubled down on that the monsters were more and the humans i think were were even more um True. and jurassic park had like that spielberg thing where it has that sort of magical quality to it too um I don't think you get 
I don't think you ever get that had he never not made Jaws, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, well, I mean, when you break it down like that, you can almost draw a parallel, like, throughout both movies, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a scene that, uh, what's his face? I forget the actor's name. I can't believe I forget his name. Who played the, the fisherman? He was also in From Russia with Love and James Bond with Sean Connery. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I can't oh. think of his name. <laughs> I can't think of it right now either. Uh, Ray. Um, uh, something. Shaw, uh, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. <laughs> he has that amazing monologue, the little soliloquy when he talks about the USS Indianapolis, right? The whole, like, how many, like, guys went into water. Like, that, that's, like, that's a great audition monologue. You want to do a dramatic audition monologue, do that one, because it's freaking fantastic. And then uh, 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 Jeff Goldblum has something almost similar when he's, when he's talking about, like, I, I think it was when he already had the broken leg, and he's, he's talking about, like, yeah, but y- y- you guys rushed to do this with, to find out if you can and not whether you should be doing it. You know, like, there's that there's the suspense there's the early casualties there's like all of it and you can almost like draw lines directly from one movie to the other um and even within the source of Jurassic Park like Michael Crichton didn't he effectively rip off Westworld (laughs) like isn't it just like Westworld with dinosaurs (laughs) yeah sorta sorta but I mean, Michael Crichton at that point was already a very established writer. He wrote the Andromeda Strain. Um, Ipris. Which one? The Ipris file. That was my friend, right? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But anyway, but I mean, that's why I like it. For me, this is a really hard pick because It's funny, it, it puts me in a different mindset. Like they all kind of hit the same ticks. The difference with Jurassic Park is um, there's more humor in it. Obviously because the kids are in it. Yeah. Um, and again, it's more of an ensemble piece. Not that that well. Obviously, they had uh, Roy Scheider and and uh, uh, it's a larger ensemble, right? It's a larger ensemble piece. Jurassic Park is sort of ensemble, but it's only three guys, right? Um, I mean, at the end of Jaws, it was just like relief, you know. But it was kind of like. Jaws felt like watching a loved one die. <laughs> like it's hard. At the end, the loved one is gone. And, you know, you're left with the memories, kind of. Whereas Jurassic Park was a little bit like, oh, you beat cancer. This is great. And everybody's happy at the end. So, I mean, I don't know if it's just an emotional thing. For, for that reason, I would give the edge to Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah, I would. So, to me, to me, that I mean, it's a slight, slight. Again, this is nowhere near like any kind of major difference. I, I would just give a little bit of an edge to Jurassic Park because I just, 
even like some of some of the like almost cameo appearances, B.D. Wong and you know like and, and the the actor who played the hunter and all of it just was just just that much more engaging, I guess, to me. And so, whereas like Jaws was just like straightforward, was like all right, this fish is killing people, we got to go catch it. Yeah. So I, I I give a slight I give a slight edge to Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'd probably, I would probably agree with you. Um, sorry, Sean, I didn't you look. No, you I, was just, I was not really. I was just like taking it in. I, yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult, but I guess, and you look at most people, like almost everybody is in like Jurassic Park, or at least the world of Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. like, if, as much as that's a sign of its success, it also makes it harder for me because whenever someone tries to like make a franchise out of it or like turns it into a broader universe, it makes me like it less. Like, right? I love Jurassic Park. I'm okay with the Lost World. Jurassic Park Three is garbage, and yes. even if the Jurassic World movies standalone or as a series are not that bad, I still don't really want anything to do with them because they're just they're just it's so pointless it, no one's saying it but basically it's remake they're basically they're remakes mm-hmm. just because they're they're worried that young people are gonna look at Jurassic Park and like not engage because they don't recognize the actors right and they're gonna think it's a slight slightly because it's back in the old days when they didn't talk down the kids like Jurassic Park wasn't trying to be a kids movie it was like right you know the way that even the t- they talked in that movie was very advanced. Really, but yeah, Jurassic yeah. World is like you can see it's written for kid. Like you know you got Chris yeah. Brown, everyone's kind of dumbed. It's dumbed down. Everything's like the edges are just smoothed out. Well, and they're trying to capture on the the superhero craze. Not that it's a superhero movie, but that's the audience that they're trying to appeal to. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. Um, it's like it's like someone watched Jurassic Park and instead of realizing the cool thing. Is the idea of like what um, Jeff Goldblum said about like you know you spent too much time wondering whether you can or whether you should like that was basically the whole thing of Jurassic Park was what made it so interesting was like human nature right and but it's like someone sat down to write an essay about the human nature behind Jurassic Park and why it's so fascinating and they went you know what the coolest thing about this this idea is theme parks. People love theme parks. <laughs> we're going to remake it, but we're really going to make it about the theme park. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. yeah, no, it's I think prestige of itself in a way. Yeah, but so in a way, it makes me like it less, and also because I don't know. I feel, I mean, I don't know the details, but I feel like Spielberg let like kind of sold it, his soul somewhere along that he allowed them to. Well, he went along with the sequel. I get. I don't know. Jaws. It's funny I'm saying this because the, the Jaws sequels, yeah. Jaws sequels are awful. <laughs> so, but it doesn't have the same. It's like we've forgotten it. Like Jaws, more than maybe any other movie, we allow to separate. Like no one thinks of Jaws, and then and thinks, thinks of the sequels, right? No, maybe no it's because of how much time has passed, though, right? This is true. Enough time has passed, and those sequels don't stand up, and no one revisits them. No one cares about them, but we still hold Jaws near and dear. Whereas Jurassic Park, even the 
you know, the original series sequels were not that far off. Um, and then you have the new ones to remind you, which they're not even, they haven't even come out with the third one of that series yet. So it's like right in your face, you know? Yeah. So, so which one are you guys picking? Oh, so hard. It's so hard to know what to go with. Like, me as a kid, I would obviously dress apart, but like me now, I don't know. It's so hard because Jaws is one of my favorite, you know, I love, I love Jaws. So many great performances. I think it's so many levels. Whereas dress apart, um, I can do this. Do I can it. wrap this up for us. Go. I got to kind of agree. I mean, I agree with everything that's being said, but I, I, I lean towards uh, the same thinking as, as you had, Tomo, which I think if you summed it up, everything that is so great about Jaws, you get in Jurassic Park, but right. then you get a little bit more too. Right. So you get all of the terror and all of the suspense and all of that, uh, all of those exciting and interesting things, but then it also has like a level of heart and a level of humor. Right. I think. Um, did I lose you guys again? You froze for a second, but I don't think froze on my end. Yeah. Right. So, so you get all the suspense and everything else, but it has a level of heart and a level of humor that I think Jaws doesn't have. I think, on a technical standpoint. Granted, you have to take into account the, the difference in the years that these movies came out, but as amazing and uh, just as, as breathtaking as it is when you see that shark in Jaws, it still can't compare to when you see that T-Rex in Jurassic Park. And that Jaws, even when you watch it now, you take it with just a touch of a grain of salt and you say to yourself, man, it looks really good when you consider when it came out. When I watch Jurassic Park, I don't, I literally say like, you, can you fucking believe this movie came out in 1994, three, four, three, 93, yes. yeah. 1993, like it looks better than the shit we watch today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for, for those reasons, I got to give the edge to Jurassic Park. Okay. So Sean, you want to throw in your vote for posterity? I or? think for the yeah, I think for the sake of the movie, I'd go Jaws, just to to give it some a fair send off. And also, it, what you were just saying there made me think of it is like, you talk about legacy and what things have ended up being like. It's funny how we don't realize how much Jurassic Park has influenced the worldwide perception of dinosaurs. Like yeah. you think about <laughs> yeah. how everyone thinks what dinosaurs look like based on Jurassic Park, and we now yeah. know that almost everything we've seen Jurassic Park scientifically is so wrong. I was reading an article only yesterday about how I love how like, every couple of years we find out more and more that the T Rex was just a massive fucking gimp. Like he was nowhere near as good as everyone thought he was. It was a chicken, basically. It was a yeah. giant chicken. They, and they, they, discovered, they, just... they discovered he was super slow. They, I read like recently. They realized how slow he was. He was actually incredibly slow moving. Like, they, yeah, and they, they hunted in packs. Yeah, you, you would you would be able to keep up with a T Rex. A human yeah. could jog and keep up with it and keep up with yeah. a T Rex jogging. 
So it's like the more and more it gets, they probably were just like a scavenger. It's probably just like a, a big vulture. Well, <laughs> Ian Malcolm like, did oh, that with the flare. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. But so it's influential in that regard. But I'd, but you also you can't discount like what Jaws did for sharks, even though it's obviously negative. You think about the whole thing of don't go in the water. How many people, whether they've even seen Jaws or not, consciously or subconsciously, think about sharks and the beach and the sea well, and shark attacks. And before Jaws, I was listening to someone talk about it. It's fascinating. Before Jaws, most people didn't really have an opinion on sharks. Right. Because, because, <laughs> it's true. It's because, true. There, is, because there is no opinion to be had. Because it's basically a fallacy. Sharks are completely harmless. When you look at right. the statistics of animals, yes. sharks are harmless. And great whites are more harmless than most other sharks because they don't go around people. Uh, and it's just, the only reason they even get anywhere near a bad rap is that a great white is just got such a big mouth that m- most sharks, they'll take one bite and go, oh, what's that and fuck off? Right. And, People get bit by small sharks all the time, and right. with great whites, like you know, it's bigger, so there's more chance they'll take one bite and you'll die. Right. But they're not hunting anyone, but everyone thinks it. Like they really do. <laughs> no, I mean, when Jaws came out, so this was when my folks and I lived in the States first time around before we moved back to the former Yugoslavia. When Jaws came out, people like didn't go to the beach. Yeah. Like I'm not even fucking kidding. Like that movie came out. And we go to the beach, and whereas, like, on the weekend at the beach, like, out in Long Island, Sunken Meadow Park, there'd be tons of people in the water. It was a noticeable difference, like, how how many people were not going to swim far out into the water. Like, it really, like, it was, it was almost akin to what I can imagine the War of the Worlds was when Orson Welles did it on the radio. It was almost to that, where people were like, getting shotguns and getting in boats and trying to find a shark to kill it. Like that was the level of panic that was made. And I think, of course, nowadays, if you weren't, if you're not old enough, you wouldn't remember it. And, and like I said, my memory's fuzzy because I was like three at the time, four, you know, but it, it, it was really like, that's one of the things I remember of it. And seeing the poster with the big, you know, shark head coming up out of what, those, those things were everywhere, everywhere. And it was just like, don't go in the water. And people were like, fuck, I'm not going in the water. It, it, it really was a cultural phenomenon. It really, really was. But so was Jurassic Park when it came out. And like you said, Sean, it was just like, all of a sudden, paleontologists were sexy. <laughs> and people couldn't even fucking pronounce the word before that. So, I, I mean, on Friends, uh, Ross's character, I bet you the reason why he was a paleontologist was because of Jurassic Park. Was that what Jeff Goldblum was? No, Jeff Goldblum was a chaos mathematician. Oh. Sam Neill was the, uh, the paleontologist. That's right. So because he basically, I feel like Jeff Goldblum basically did almost exactly the same job in Independence Day. Pretty much, except nobody was banging like cable programmers. Yeah. yeah. Afterwards. <laughs> Not that I know that people were banging chaos mathematicians, but you know, I don't. I don't know. Who knows. All right, so uh, Jurassic Park goes up. So Jurassic Park is the finalist. And which one of the Avengers movies is going in? I think we know this from last time. Although yeah, I, I think have we've... a couple of things to say it. Yeah, I think we've all said it already, but it, it warrants another discussion, right? Sure. Endgame versus Infinity War. 
I'll go right out and say I think Infinity War is the better movie. But I'll, I'll say to this, I rewatched all of the movies on Disney Plus recently um, to see things that I caught things. Like I said, I, uh, uh, I caught the fact that they actually tell us and they never reveal it. I wonder if they're going to reveal it in the Black Widow movie. But the fact that uh, Natasha knew that the witch soldier killed Tony's parents. Because mm-hmm. she, she has a line in in, uh, in the Winter Soldier. She says, I don't think you're going to want to follow this thread. Because I remember in Civil War, Iron Man asks uh, Captain America, says, did you know? And he says, yeah, I knew. And I was just like, what? No. How, when did he know that? He doesn't say doesn't he doesn't say he knew right he says something like uh, he says I, I I thought I was I figured you. or like I figured I would be protecting you is that what he says I thought he yeah. said like he, he he no he basically says that he knew and nowhere in Civil War does is it shown that he knows that you know Bucky killed Tony's parents and then when you go back to 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 Winter Soldier. <laughs> At the end, she gives him that file, and she says, "You're not gonna. You probably don't want to follow this thread." And he was like, "Oh, I have to." Mm-hmm. So that's the connection. Like when I saw it, I like you know, like you were talking about watching Doctor Zhivago and picking up more things. I saw that, and I was just like, "Oh, son of a bitch, that's where it's from." I mean, I might be misinterpreting, but I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. So, that being said, um, Endgame had for me the most heart-wrenching moment when um at the end right before the final battle and spider-man peter parker runs up to tony stark and is saying you know starts just going off with a stream of consciousness and dr strange found us and he brought us here and i thought and and tony just like grabs him up and hugs him up because like peter parker was the reason why tony decided to try and make time travel work and it still chokes me up like like when it happened in the movies, like like my chest was heaving, you know. I was just kind of like, "Oh my god, this is like really just well done." And so there was that, and then of course when Captain picks up Captain America picks up Yolnir, and starts cranking the shit out of uh, uh, Thanos, which is just like for you know cinematic purposes and just uh, a, a, a nerd vil was a huge huge thing. However, at the same time. Endgame detracts when they try to just contrive the whole feminist thing when they get all the women lined up to do that thing, which was like so just like shoehorned in there. It was just like that one scene was, yeah, that one bit was terrible. That and the fact that they brought Captain Marvel, it's like, well, where the fuck was she? Because she could have sold everything like five years ago. Because like Thanos headbutts her and she just like looks at him and smiles. And I'm just like, okay. You know, she's well, just. Like, they made her it's, way powerful, almost, for the story. It sets her up, though. I kind of like that bit where, where someone brings that up. I forgot, where, I forgot what it was in, where they bring up, they're like, well, why, why the fuck didn't you turn up earlier? And she was like, uh... I'm like, it was in that. It was in Endgame. Oh, yeah. Like, at the was, beginning of the movie. It was in Endgame. With, like, yeah, Rhodey's... Yeah, like, where have you been all these years? And yeah, we're like, new girl. Where have you been? Right. She's like, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the universe blah 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 good thing and, the earth had the avengers or something like that it's like not just, every other planet had the group of avengers or some shit like yes that. It, right. exactly yes and just to throw it out there captain marvel the weakest of the mcu movies in my opinion so anyway yeah not a great one um 
That being right. said, like I said, all those great moments and then that shoehorning that was just like, it didn't, it just felt contrived, you know? Uh, oh, totally. Especially considering like, because they had the scene where Wanda is with her magic, basically like crushing Thanos. And he calls on the ships to just bombard the shit out of the field. And it's just like, you don't need to prove anything. Wanda could kick everybody's ass. Like, because even like in Infinity War, she's trying to pull the thing out of Vision's head and she's holding Thanos back, and he's got five fucking stones <laughs> on the thing. And he's just like, wait a minute, this chick is, what the hell? She's nuts. And so, uh, that being said, I, I, def I, I definitely give the edge to Infinity War. Yeah. It's a tough one, because I think I said this last time, too. I'm saying a lot of things I said in the last podcast, but here we are. Um... I honestly think Endgame was the perfect movie for what it needed to be. I think it is an almost flawless movie. Yeah. And I think it is the, basically the perfect movie to sum up the 20 plus movies of the MCU and to really bring it all together and bring it all home. And I think they did an amazing job with it. Um, I mean, the ending, like Tony's ending and Cap's ending is, is so perfect. Um, I love everything, pretty much everything about the movie, except for that one scene you were just talking about, Tomo, that we all agree was pigeon, pigeon horned in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that said, if we're speaking objectively about movies, again, you could make the argument that, let's take Star Wars, for example. If you said that Return of the Jedi was perfect to sum up that trilogy, that doesn't mean that Empire isn't still a better movie. Right, correct. And Infinity War is just, I mean, it's just an awesome movie. It's like we've said, it's its like so much action and so much fun. And the way that Thanos is really like your main character in it and the way that you like see his journey, even though you're not rooting for him because you love these characters and you're still rooting for them, but you're, right. you're intrigued enough to go along with Thanos and his journey. And at the end, you're devastated that he right. succeeded, but you're also immensely satisfied as a yes. movie viewer because it's like a perfect movie. Yeah. So as if you had to pluck both of these movies out of the series and make them stand alone, and just show them to somebody. If you showed anybody Endgame, they would be like, I sat for three hours. The fight scenes were cool, but I don't really, like there was a lot of cool, that was cool. Like the superheroes are cool. If you showed somebody who didn't know anything about it, we're like, these guys are superheroes. Um, there's stuff happened before, but just go with it. And they watched Infinity War. You're going to be like, damn, that was a wild move. That was really good. Like that Thanos guy. Because if nothing else, it's really the only movie. I mean, there's history behind it, but it's really the only movie that Thanos is in up to that point. Correct. Um, so I feel like you could take that as a standalone movie where you couldn't take Endgame. Um, so, I mean, realistically, you can't take either of them as standalone movies, but of the two, you could take Infinity War. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, although I think that's a little bit of an a, a unfair comparison. It is unfair because, again, because Endgame, if Endgame is, is the perfect movie for what it needs to be to end this series, of course you have to have seen the other ones. So yes. that's, not, that's not the reason why Infinity War wins. Infinity yes. War, for me beats end game because objectively it is 
a better movie, even though I love Endgame and I think Endgame is a near perfect movie as well. Infinity War is just, the, it's just better. And, and, and not only that, I, I thought what the Russo brothers did brilliantly, the way Whedon made the Avengers brilliant and bringing these characters that were all built up with their own uh, origin movies. And I think at that point, like Thor already had the two movies, right? Go ahead, for yeah. by Infinity War? No, 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 for the first Avengers movie. Did he already Oh, have no, no, he had one. Up? Iron Man had two. Everybody else Iron had Man one. had two, sorry, yeah. The way they tied in all the characters from the MCU. Like, at no point did I think anybody was really doing the heavy lifting. Like, you mm -hmm. thought, like, oh, Iron Man was going to do it. But they kind of seamlessly introduced everybody to each other. They found the great little character chemistry that they needed to have. You know, the fact that Strange and, and Stark instantly, like, disliked each other. You know, um, yeah. It, I, I mean, I, for the, all of those reasons, I, and like you said, Andrew, I completely agree that Infinity War would work as a standalone movie, whereas Endgame wouldn't. Or at least not as much. Mm-hmm. Sean? Yeah, no, same, I agree. The, the only other thing I'd add is I do also not a huge fan of that, the, sh the shoehorning uh, bit near the end of, of Endgame. The whole bit I'm not a fan of, I, I get these weird flashbacks when I think about the final battle in Endgame. For some reason, I just, I keep getting visuals of the Battle of Naboo with fucking Jar Jar Binks and all his fuckers turning up with the big blue spheres and them throwing the Gunga Balls. I'd be like, ah, <laughs> And the droids all falling down, be like, ah, oh, so like, oh, yeah, we so weird. I just, I just think of that. Like, it slightly reminds me of that. And I hate that so much. <laughs> okay. So Infinity War. Yeah. Okay. So there you go, folks. Oh. Um. So we have then Jurassic Park versus Avengers Infinity War. Yikes. I think we need to talk about how we want to make this decision. Okay. Are we talking about the movie we like more? Or are we talking about what is objectively a better film? Are we talking about its cultural significance? Well, well, well <laughs> let, let me stop you. Let me stop you objectively right there. No such thing. True. It's art. It's an opinion. It's completely subjective. You know what? Uh, uh, how many times have you seen like a film critic say some movie was shit and it's like one of the best movies ever? Like True Lies came out. All the critics were like, "This is garbage." And I watched this movie. I was like. This is one of the best movies I've seen in years. What the hell are these assholes talking about? You know, so it's it's there is no objective. I, Every, the only so, thing, so, the only thing I'd say is I think if we're judging on what the whole point of what this countdown is, which is the top grossing movies, it's not the you know it was like mm. all the great. I, I think Jurassic Park should win just because if we're talking about grossing and the only reason these movies are on this list that we're talking about is because the filmmaker made a movie that made more money than almost any other movie in history. Spielberg 
did something someone's not done before and he hit all the marks to make everybody go see it and make more money than anyone ever seen before, ever. Whereas, as great as Infinity War is, and I agree, like, when it comes... We all knew it was going to be... Before even they even started writing the script, we knew it was probably going to be the highest-grossing movie. Like it's, Right, right. Like, it, it made... set it- up record-breaking numbers for opening weekend which everyone that went opening weekend weren't because their friends were like this movie's great you got to see it it was because they went because they'd been watching 20 movies and were correct exactly just like just like we said like uh uh, force awakens is on this list for no other reason than nostalgia yeah because everyone is like han solo is going to be in the movie Luke Skywalker is going to be in the movie. Let's go see the movie. And it was like stir-fried shit. So, yeah, exactly. You're, you're right. Yeah. Can you imagine if someone said that to Spielberg, like back in 1992 or whatever, they're like, we're going to set you up and we're going to have, you know, 20 movies and they're going to be the biggest movies with the biggest stars and everyone's going to love them. And they're going to come all before your movie that's going to come out and your job is just to deliver it. Like, A, he wouldn't have done it because he'd be like, oh, there's no challenge. But B, he'd have, you know, as as great as we agree the Russo brothers are, those movies, they were so good at it. But they're not Spielberg. Like, no one would ever have given them the time of day to make their movie if it wasn't for the fact that the one thing Disney does, which is both in its favour and against it, is it they like to hire, like, yes people. People that would do what they want, tick the boxes they want, they don't like right. movers and shakers. We've seen it. If someone tries to do their own thing, it pisses them off. They like they like to pretend that they're giving people the O-Tour thing of like, oh, no, we're getting real filmmakers. Do it. Behind the scene, it's changing a bit right. now. But it's certainly, when the Russo brothers came into it, they were just the top of the list because they were the best pop stickers they could find. Well, yeah. I would argue, though, I would argue, though, that, that Marvel of the Disney movies, Marvel is the one studio that kind of did did allow people to do things a little bit because um, I mean, granted, yes, there was always like a, a certain parameters that these folks had to had to stay in line with so that the overall narrative stayed in place. But I mean, if you listen to the Russos talk and maybe they're speaking, you know, biased, uh, speaking with a strong bias, but they say they basically came in and, and wanted to like disrupt the whole system. And when they came in, they did Winter Soldier and said that, you know, all of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. was actually Hydra and like turned the whole series kind of on its head. So I don't know. I like to think you're right to an extent, to an extent, though. No, it is still I mean, you can also just look at it from the, the financial standpoint. They take basically indie directors and give them enough budget to make a blockbuster movie. But why do they take these indie directors and why don't they have, you know, Spielberg or so and so directing these Marvel movies? Because they got to crank out 20 of these things. They can pay indie director the highest salary he's ever made in his life, but it's pennies compared to what they pay a Spielberg, Spielberg type. Right. And if you it know? fails, if it fails, they can blame them. That right. too. Well, that yeah. too. It's the that Star too. Wars thing with uh, with Ryan Johnson. It's the thing of like, well, we get this big hype director that for the, they're just happy to do a Star Wars movie, so we'd have to pay them loads of money. And if people don't like it and it fails, we go like, oh, they're a renegade director. Yeah. These indie people <laughs> yeah. they can't yeah. do it. Yeah. You know. It's, yeah. Although I will say this now that that you brought that up, Andrew, my conspiracy lizard brain is popping up. Winter Soldier turned Shield into Hydra 
to stick it to Whedon because he was doing uh, Shield of Mar Marvel Agents of Shield. We've had this conversation on this show before, a couple podcasts yeah. ago. We somehow I don't remember what, what we were on. That oh maybe the WandaVision episode. Maybe we talked I mean, about that, this. That but... that made me think of it again because I was like, that that's a lot of coincidence right there. I'm sure the time maybe the timelines don't match up, but the fact that you know. Because it was obviously after, did Winter, no, what came out first, Ultron or Winter Soldier? Ultron. Uh, no, sorry, Winter, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier? Okay, so maybe not, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 Winter Soldier was first, and then Ultron, and that was when the drama happened with Whedon. Right, 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 okay, yeah. Okay, so. So your story doesn't add up. It doesn't matter my conspiracy lizard brain is wrong, yeah, sorry. But the only direct the Yankees didn't throw the World Series. Okay, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, do you guys know the story with uh, Edgar Wright? Edgar Wright was supposed to do the first Ant Man movie, and he left because Disney Marvel wouldn't let him do his thing. Uh, I would have loved to have seen what an Edgar Wright Ant Man movie was. Well, I think that's the, the, I think that I'm not a big fan of that movie, and I think it's because of how disjointed it is. I think you can see the stitching in that movie. Yeah, you can see the bits that are Edgar Wright, and the bits that are Paul Rudd, and then the bits that are whatever the, the whoever ended up doing it. Like you can clearly see because the Edgar Wright bits don't work because you've got someone else trying to like figure them out. And Edgar Wright is so good at doing his stuff. Yeah. That it just does not work. Like it was like, there's what all these it, moments in that movie where I'm like, oh, what did, what did Edgar Wright do? I don't even know who this is. Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver, Shaun, Shaun of the Dead. Dead. Oh, okay. okay. Um, oh, loads. He's done loads. I'm trying to think of other stuff, but, but yeah, he's this, yeah, he does kooky, right? Com comedy, but like that isn't goof. You know, kind of like so. It, it, the stuff in Ant Man that was kind of like goofy, uh, but like oddball goofy, not like Paul Rudd goofy. There was like the Paul Rudd goofy where you're like, oh, that's just Paul Rudd has like done this. That's some Paul Rudd stuff. And then there was some other goofy stuff where you're like. That's goofy, but it's not quite. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd probably improved all of his lines because if you look at the credits at the end, he has a writing credit for the movie. Well, but that—that's the and that's the reason why that's is is that Edgar Wright wrote the script because he one of his biggest thing is he is a very well respected scriptwriter. Like as mm -hmm. he does direct, but he writes these great. I think for years he's written like ghost scripts for other movies. Like he will write spec scripts and stuff. Like, because he's just very well regarded as someone who can write a really funny script and right. then they give them to someone else. Okay. Um, I, he wrote the whole script for Ant-Man and they thought, this is great, we love it. And then the second he started working on it, they were like, whoa, you're actually going to do it this way? <laughs> like, oh, no, no, we thought we were going to, that was just like the the bones and we were going to then say what we want to do. And he's like, no, that's what I want to do. And then I even remember hearing that they, he left and they brought in some other random guy that was not that didn't really know what to do with it. And they said to Paul Rudd, they're like, You're funny, you're a comedy guy, like just sort of fill in the gaps. Uh, and he between all the talks and the script from Edgar Wright and the new guy who didn't have much experience with this kind of thing, yeah. he was left to sort of pick up the pieces and be like, make something of this. <laughs> and I think the guy that did it was 
I think if I'm remembering right, his name's Peyton Reed. Is that right? Does that sound yes, right? Yes, yes. He, right. I want to say, did has done predominantly horror before this. Didn't he do, um, this is a horror movie with uh, Ethan Hawke. Did you guys see that? Oh, Insidious? No, no. Um, what's the one with Ethan Hawke? Sinister, yeah. I love that movie. That is one of the scariest I think he did that. movies. Oh, that film is fucking awesome. That was, that's my favorite modern horror film. So good. Is that him? Let me see. I'm looking it up. We got on a real. Oh no, no, no! I got mixed up. Scott Derrickson did did Sinister, and Scott Derrickson, I think, directed Doctor Strange. Oh. oh, okay. So I'm getting my Marvel directors mixed up. Yeah, he did Doctor Strange. So okay, that's good. Sinister. All right. So that the, all of that being said, who are we picking? Infinity War or Jurassic Park? Well, I think Sean makes a good point about uh shit we went on a long digression and this is a 10 percent. this is a 10 percent i'm drinking a 10 percent floofer here um floofer yeah john's point about 10 percent floofer sounds like that sort of like you're on like the gender the gender fluidity and you're like 10 percent floofer <laughs> No, that sounds like a menu item at a massage parlor. I'll have a 10 oh. floofer, please. Um, the fact, uh, talking about, okay, I'm remembering now. Um, the fact that this is about the highest grossing films and the fact that Jurassic Park did so well, and it was, right. especially at the time, it was just nothing but a standalone movie. I mean, it had, the, it had Spielberg's name attached to it, but aside from that, it didn't have anything else behind it other than a traditional trailer movie poster etc um whereas you know infinity war has is a culmination correct 20 movies before it correct i love infinity war and if it's so tough for me because you know the superhero nerd in me if i had to pick between the two movies and could only watch one right i don't know where i'd land i might i might pick infinity war but for the sake of this conversation I think I have to agree with Sean. What do you think, Tomo? I, I, I mean, I agree with the whole thing. I, it seems almost counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. So Jurassic Park is number 13 on the list. Avengers Infinity War is 14. This is all um, worldwide box office numbers adjusted for inflation. Jurassic Park is a one-off movie on its own and, and to point out also, Spielberg has three movies on this list of top 16. You know, um, Cameron has Titanic and Avatar. And, you know, he's, we all know what a powerhouse he is for that. And those are much higher up on the list too, though. Yes, correct. Uh, Avatar is number eight. No, sorry, three. And Titanic is number two. And Avatar yeah. has gone up in the time since we pulled this list because this list i yeah. believe is actually from 2019 I and think so. yes and avatar was so if you if you don't adjust for inflation you just look at dollar value Endgame was the highest grossing movie of all time right and then in what month are we in april i guess this was last month i think it was in march um james cameron re-released avatar in cinemas in china and it, yeah. within, I think, 
it was a day or two of it being in cinemas in China. It oh, that's became, why it was all over IG and everything. It then okay. became the highest grossing movie of all time again and beat out Endgame. So okay. it's just above Endgame as far as, you know, straight dollar value, not not adjusted for inflation. And all the other avatars are going to be as well. Like give it Probably. 10 years. And yes. the top five movies are all going to be Avatars. Avatar 1, it, 2, it, 3, 4, it, and 5. Right. It, it, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's the Fast and the Furious effect. And, and for those people that are older like myself, it's the Police Academy effect. Hmm. Where are you going to fucking just stop? Now, you know, uh, uh, um, what the reason why it works really well for the MCU is because there are so many separate stories to go into it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Fast and the Furious cannot be one story about this driver and one story about that driver and another story about this driver. And, oh, here, here comes the rock. Let's give him a story. You know, that wouldn't work in the fast and the furious universe. It has to be all of them and cars just crashing everywhere. Um, that being said, uh, and from what both of you guys said, Jurassic park as a standalone movie j- just simply works better. Avengers Infinity War wouldn't be anything really without all the other 20 movies behind it. Jurassic Park is an adaptation of a book. Um, In terms of the source material, not even very honest to the source material, quite frankly, and a little bit disappointing, like just how much was changed and how much stuff was left out. But at the same time, they're both on TV. I, you know, I love Jurassic Park. I really, really do. But if they're both, I mean, the nerd in me just goes like, uh, do I watch Spidey and all the fun stuff? And, you know, what he does is like oblique pop culture references. And did you guys ever see this ancient movie called Aliens? You know, and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, that's great stuff. And Jurassic Park, you know, is a Vegisaurus and a Minosaurus. So, well, that's great line, kid. Good for you. Exactly. There's the music. So, oh, fuck me. This is this. I mean, if if the choice between Jurassic Park and Jaws was really, really, really close, this one's even closer for me. Oh yeah. And. Well, they're about to open an Avengers world or a Marvel world in Disney or whatever. Like, that's the next biggest, like, world or in Disney world, whatever they're going to open. And you give me the option of, like, going through the gates into Jurassic Park or, like, going into, like, Avengers world. Like, I'm going to Jurassic Park tomorrow. Yes. Like, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yes. I'm probably going to Avengers world. And yes, <laughs> if they're both on TV... One's on TNT and one's on TBS. I might turn to Infinity War. I mean, shit. <laughs> now you know what. As much as much as entertainment value that that Infinity War has, and I think it has just that tidbit more entertainment value than Jurassic Park does. If, if if for nothing else, just the bang for the buck, right? Because you get like a three-hour movie. Or, or how long is it? Two and four? Two and a half. Yeah. Right. I'm, 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 picking, I'm picking Jurassic Park. 
And there you have it, folks. Did you pick Jurassic Park? Oh, did anyone else say what they're picking? I thought Sean and I both did already. Oh, oh you did? Oh. Right? We went off on tangent. No, I forgot. I, and uh, and I'm, oh. I'm getting a sugar buzz for my beer. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't trust it. Although, but just to check, not, not to confuse it, but uh, adding another element to it. it you know, because they're going to do another Jurassic Park movie or whatever Jurassic World, whatever. And they're bringing back, like, as much of the original cast as they can. Uh, they can yeah. At this point, you know, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, I think. Laura Dern. Dern. They bring them all back, which it, it should be really exciting. Right. I'm not that excited about it because I don't trust it because Spielberg's not doing it. And I didn't, I mean, they brought Sam Neill back in Dress Part 3 and that was shit. And they brought Goldblum back. And, like, I don't, I'm what, I don't think it's going to be good. Whereas if you told me, let alone 10, 20 years from now, because my brain would blow up. But you tell me like now or two years from now, hey, guess what? We're going to bring back all the original Avengers. We're doing a different timeline movie. Where They're already talking back. about it. They're already like, talking about it. That that's like, I mean, already my brain blows up with the. They're already they're already talking about it because of the multiverse. Yeah, they're already talking about who they're going to bring back, and it's just like, well, who else could they bring back? We know Loki's back already, and who are the only like three dead people? Wanda and and uh, uh, Captain America and Tony. Wanda didn't die. And not Wanda, uh, Natasha. Sorry. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry. All right, folks. So there you have it. Our winner of the top sixty grossing movies of all time is 1993's Jurassic Park by Steven Spielberg. That's what we chose. Tough. This was a tough one. This was this was a tough, tough, tough countdown. Um, I'm sure I reserve the of, right. I reserve the right to change my mind at some hate point. Hate mail. Yeah, we're gonna get a lot of hate mail. I'm sure of it. But you know, just to um, bring up another tangent, I got contacted for somebody to ask us if we were gonna peddle um, fitness clothes and like shakes and stuff. We might as well. <laughs> and I mean, I look at. Like, and I, I literally was like. She's like, I really like your IG uh, page. And I was thinking that, you know, you would make a great ambassador for this. And of course, any business that comes our way from you, from your listeners, uh, you'll get paid for this. I'm like, we talk movies and beer. We don't really talk about physical fitness much. Price spam. Do, it's about how many beers we can have and who's going to hold out the longest before we go piss. <laughs> That's about it. Anyway. That being said, so our movie is concluded. Gents, uh, Sean, why don't you and I break down, because we have the same beer, why don't we break down our thoughts on this beer? Oh, I... It, 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 was, both, it was both such a disappointment, but also not, because it really lived up to exactly what we were hoping it would be for the sake of the episode. <laughs> Which is gross, and it really is the grossest beer I've ever had. I think. Yes. Um, which is it's the Jurassic Park of beers. Um, it, in fact, it's so gross, and I'm such a an alcoholic that I'm considering just drinking them all now because I know the law of diminishing returns is it's never going to taste better than it's going to taste <laughs> after having had one of them. 
and I don't want to have to do all the hard work of drinking another one fresh again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to throw away all the alcohol, so I'm considering just drinking them all now. Just you know what? Just pour it in a cup with some rum. Just mix it with some rum, oh. and, it, and it'll be a cocktail. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, that's a thing now. Did you guys know this? I didn't know this. Like beer cocktails are a thing now. First of all, all the little local microbrews are doing their own seltzer, which I'm like, oh for fuck's sake. And seltzer things. It's just so stupid. Bad. Yeah, it's Ziva all over again. You guys are too young for that. Um, and apparently they're making cocktails with beer. And I'm like, what? I had one, this is probably almost two years ago now, I think. I had a cocktail with beer in it. And it was really good. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was really good. And I thought like, that's weird. Are they, it's beer and I don't remember what else was well, in it. Well, the only but... the only cocktail with beer is like the one from Thor, the Boilermaker, where they take a freaking shot of tequila and they drop it in a beer and you drink it. I mean, that... <laughs> yeah, it was good. Whatever I had, I forget exactly what it was. It was like a summer thing. It was with okay. like a shandy type of beer, and I think there was like some orange in it. I don't remember what liquor was in it, but it was really good. There was like a a, a chili pepper and salt rim. I think it was good. Okay. It was good. Yeah. I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you know, it wouldn't Sean, be my what, what go-to. What grade do you give? What grade do you give uh, the Cape May Brewing Company's chocolate-covered strawberry milkshake IPA? Um, I I want to give it a zero point seven. Wow! Like, I I just I. I I can't even imagine, like, I, <laughs> it's just the strangest, it's, I almost imagine, like, I, I almost want to, like, pay a hipster to give a six-pack of these to, like, a hobo outside of Port Authority and just watch him drink them and well, see what happens. Why a hipster? Why can't you just give it to the hobo? Because I want to see the hipster get his fucking like, get his, get get you know get his fucking. Uh, I want to see him get turned upside down and put in the in the hobo fire trash can on the corner <laughs> with the other ho with the other hobo singing doo wop numbers, being like doo wop, put him in the trash can. <laughs> As he's cracking. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, well I'll say this for the beer. I finished it. Like Sean said, that first taste, <laughs> it, it tasted almost like you let Nina into my liquor cabinet and have her just like mix some drinks for me. That's what it tasted like. Like, what the hell is this? I My mouth doesn't understand what is happening to it right now. As it went on, and uh, like Andrew, you asked early on, like, can you taste the IPA under it? I couldn't. But as I was drinking more of it, some of the IPA started coming through. Some, not much, some. So by the by the end of this, it almost tasted like a beer, but it, it almost tasted like someone took a bowl full of fruit and just like mashed it up and then dropped it in my beer and said, here, finish this beer. That's what it, like someone spilled something in my beer. That's what it tasted like. I, I think you've just drunk so much beer in your life that your body was just naturally producing hops like white blood cells 
to try and fight off the fucking thing you were introducing into your body so that you didn't go into some kind of anaphylactic shock. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. That being said, if I were at a barbecue and this was all they had, I would kill the host and then burn their house down to the ground. Because what the fuck? Why would you serve this to people? Um, yeah, I'm not far from you, Sean. I'm giving this. Thank God it, I was able to buy just one. Because if this was a four pack, I would have like shot myself. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm giving this like a 0.9. This is this is. I know some people will enjoy this. This is, and I'm actually surprised you didn't like it. Cause Sean, cause I thought, because you have, you have a sweet tooth. So I thought for sure, like it was going to be, you're going to give this like a three, eight, and I was going to give this a vomit. Uh, I, that's what I thought we we're getting. And so I guess the fact that we're on the same page here just shows that we've been drinking the same beers for four years now. And we have similar tastes with beer at least. Um, it's the strawberry, I think more than anything. Like it, it's it's like a it's like a fruit soda. You're right. It's it's terrible. It's just terrible. And you know what? It's very perfumey too. The strawberry juice. It's very perfumey and it's cloying. It's it's just it's it's almost like perfume. Like you're drinking perfume. That's what it kind of like you would think a perfume would taste like. It, it tastes Except artificial. A perfume would it taste better. It tastes like strawberry flavored things. It doesn't taste like strawberries. Right. If right. It tasted like if it had some acidity like actual strawberries do, right? then maybe right. I'll be like, okay, but it's like all the acidity and all the stuff that a child wouldn't like if a strawberry has been taken away. Exactly. There. It, it tastes, it, you know, they said the strawberry juice, but it tastes like nothing. It tastes like artificial strawberry flavoring, like a nest, strawberry Nestle quick. That's what it tastes like. Yeah. It's oh, it does. It it's does. Terrible. It tastes exactly like strawberry milk, strawberry milkshake. Yeah. Strawberry Nesquik. That yes. someone has poured it's in terrible. Beer. Yeah, so I give it a 0.9. So, which is disappointing because I had that uh, Kate May. What was it? Two episodes ago, the um, they had a really nice beer, Devil's Reach. That was really nice. Um, this guys, Kate May Brewing Company, don't make this anymore. This is terrible, and I can't even imagine having a piece of cheese with this. I, I, I'd wow. like. Oh, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, Andrew. Well, how, I think for how how's your uh, uh, porn set uh, uh, worker doing there? Flu for two. I think that the strawberry flu for two is the answer to everything the two of you are looking for, and I'll tell you why. You're talking about the strawberry taste, right? When I first right. had when I was first drinking this, I said I didn't really taste the strawberry so much but maybe a hint of it. As I drank it more, I started to get more of the strawberry. Okay. But it tastes very much like a chocolate covered strawberry, which yeah. is, especially if you have like a dark chocolate, is not terribly sweet. You get the right. dark chocolate and then you get the fruity taste of the strawberry, but there's a lot of like tart. Um, yes. And it's not especially necessarily like- Especially if the coating is nice and thin on the strawberry too. Right. It's not like overbearingly sweet. It's it's right. a little bit more, it's fruity, but it's also tart. And it's also got that little, whatever, the, the citrus right. taste of the strawberry. And I feel like this actually captures that pretty good. I don't taste peanuts or peanut butter, whatever it says. I don't know if it's peanuts or peanut butter. I guess it says peanuts. I think you said I peanuts, yeah. I don't taste peanuts at all in this. Um, 
but I taste the strawberry, I taste the chocolate. It does. Do you taste, taste any penis? I mean, it's a sense we're not. No, I'm not sure what a floofer tastes like. But. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it's actually not bad. And I think it being a stout, it all kind of works together. It doesn't really taste like you're drinking a beer, okay. but it doesn't. I mean, I guess it tastes a little bit like a stout. I'm not a huge fan of stouts to begin with. Right. I'm not a huge fan of sweets to begin with. Right. Again, it wasn't overbearingly sweet. And I liked this actually a lot more than I thought I was going to. Okay. Which doesn't say I liked it a lot. If we were at a barbecue and someone was serving this, I'd drive home sober. Um, okay. Because I just, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be, it's not my go-to. It's not something I'd want as a beer. Uh, 10%. I mean, I stumbled a few times in this podcast, but all in all, I feel pretty good. Okay. Um, it doesn't taste terribly strong when you're drinking it. It sips really nicely. But again, for me personally, and if, you know, we've got this scale of beers we've drank before and we're rating things. And I think the highest rating rated beer I, I've done to this point still is that, uh, Bengali IPA, or there might've been something else that, that ranked right up there with it. I would say, based on my expectations for this beer, I would say it's like a three, but that is right. coming in with my expectations of me expecting to hate it, right? Right. If I'm actually pinning it against the grand scheme of all beers, it's not going to rank that high because I would never get this again for any reason on my own. Okay. But it's not bad. It's drinkable, sippable. I liked it more than I thought I would. Okay. So I guess I'd give it like a 2.5. You know what? I'll say, I'll say that in this situation, like you were saying, that's high grace because right off the bat, you don't like stouts. And you've said that several times before on, on yeah. the podcast. And the fact that <laughs> you, you, like you said, you, you were surprised by it and if it was like a sampler drink at a thing, you'd be like, oh, that's not bad, but not my not my game. And it'd be like, I wouldn't order this, but that's kind of interesting. That's pretty good. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I and, would actually and, love and, for you guys to have this and try it, especially with the strawberry beer you just had tonight to well, see how it compares. Like like I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, uh, I think if they made if Kate May made this a stout as opposed to an IPA, yeah. it would work. Because the bitterness of the stout and you know the hops and whatever would just kill all that sweet so yeah yeah great all right so sean gave a 0.7 for our chocolate covered strawberry milkshake ipa i gave it a 0.9 and andrew gave his flu for two a 2.5 folks so that's it that's the 2021 what's going on here best tournament our countdown our winner is jurassic park from 1993 by steven spielberg believe it or not of the top 16 highest grossing movies of all time um, if you get a chance, watch the movies. Some of them are fun. Some of them are, are just insulting and don't bother your, uh, 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 waste your time watching them and, um, try out some of these beers. Actually, I, I, I wouldn't dissuade anybody from trying them. It's like, see yeah. if you like them. I'm sure. So I'm sure somebody swears by the, the, the strawberry milkshake and by the oyster gosa. And, and like I said, uh, my, my note for that is it worked really well for sushi. So that being said, folks, thanks for tuning in once again. Uh, we appreciate you. Thank you for spreading the word about the podcast. 
tell all of your friends about us. And yes, and follow us on social media. Follow at us what's, on, at What's Go Here on yes. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yes, correct. Give us a follow for all the latest and greatest What's Going On Here news, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, tell your friends about it and join us along. In fact, I probably need to update our list of all the drinks we've had and post for people to see and see if they want to go down that route. You know, that'd be actually a fun thing to offer a uh, uh, what's going on here beer tour. Ooh. And like try all the beers that we've had uh, over the show over the years. That would be a fun thing. Anyway. All right, folks. Well, that's it for us. Uh, thanks for listening. We will see you guys next time. And uh, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.